0: Friends, welcome to the INDEX, a sacred love podcast. I'm your host, Dr. A. This is a platform for our community to share our stories of healing and resiliency. We're going to talk a lot about purpose and personal accountability here. So thank you so much for joining us today. Friends, welcome back to the INDEX. It's Sacred Love Podcast. Today we have a friend of ours joining us, Edward Russell Jr., but we're gonna actually transition into calling him Smitty because Edward is amongst um, friends and family, and so we just want to make sure we um, make him feel welcome in our community. Smitty, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Sis, thank you so much for having me. I, it was an honor to get the invitation, it was a shock. I'm humbled and I'm flattered and I'm just excited to see where where this journey takes us today.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really grateful you said yes. Um, You know, we met, we met maybe like a year ago, right, Um, online, online, um, talking about nonprofits and the work we were doing within our communities and stuff. And, you know, there was a lot of lines of intersection between our interests, which kind of brought us to this place where we're still keeping in contact and still talking about work. So um, I can't wait to get into some of the things you're doing in your community because you're doing amazing, amazing work. But, you know, let's start this off a little more casual, right? So you got to tell us how you go from like Edward Russell Jr. to Smitty.
1: Uh, I'll, and I'll do that. Um, the the, the absolutely hilarious part about this is I have probably haven't told this story in a few years. Um, but, Ironically, I just told this story probably about less than a week ago. So um, really quick, um, my father is senior. Um, uh, Before I was born, he was driving uh, for Gulf Oil in Boston. Uh, It was snowing on the ground or it was snowing on the ground. um, And I guess his friend of his, Smitty, was in another truck and it tipped over and uh, blew up. And so my father tried to save him, but he couldn't. So unfortunately that particular Smitty passed. And then when I came along, my mother wanted a junior, but my father wanted the Smitty. So I am the compromise, my government name on my checks and everything else is, is junior. Um, but since birth, everyone has called me Smitty. Um, that's just what I go by. Um, and in, in, in a crazy kind of ironic way, just to keep the tr- uh, tradition going and the legacy of my father, my son is the third, but we call him Little Smitty. So it, it, Smitty is more formal. You know, Edward is like a uh, uptight suit on.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, Smitty, this is a very interesting story, right? Because you have been tasked to honor the legacy of two men. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure.
1: You know, Um I I never gave a lot of thought to that, except for maybe a quick second, Um, because I was always, you know, outside of being a a mama's boy, to my heart, I'm I'm a daddy's son, Um, and both have passed now, um, but still, I always put, like, how important my father's legacy is. You know, I'm the only son, Um, so it means a lot to me to make sure that I carry his name properly. But then, like you said, with this other person who I never met, I don't, I don't know, my father never told me about him, like in debt. He just told me the story. Um, but in a weird way, it's like, oh, what, what, was, what was so inherently important to my father about this particular person? Of all the friends he had that, you know that he ran across in his lifetime, what was the one thing about this person that he decided, I'm going to name my only son after him? So yeah, since you brought that up, I, I, I only thought about it for a minute, but that, yeah, that is, it's, it's an honor, I, you know, it's an honor.
0: Well, it's definitely an honor. And here's the thing, you talked about being a, a mother's son and then a, a, a father's boy, right? And it's funny because I can see you in both roles because there's a gentleness towards like the feminine, you know, in your circles, but right. there's definitely that very masculine side of you. And it even comes out in your work because you do work you know, that's geared towards um, supporting and mentoring the upcoming generation of men. Absolutely. So how do you think your relationship with your father have, um, do you think your relationship with your father had anything to do with that? Because you actually, you're coming from a space where you actually honor and respect your father. Yeah.
1: Oh man, that is that is that is a deep question, and I so appreciate it for giving me this opportunity to even have this conversation about my father. Uh, um, you know, I have to be transparent. I never got to live with my father in that sense of daily father son relationship. Uh, my mother and father divorced when I was two. Uh, uh, he went back back east. We stayed here in California. Um, but my mother always made sure that I had a relationship with him. So once I turned eight years old, every summer she'd put me on a plane by myself and fly me back east to Boston, right? Um, where I got to spend that time and, and, and learn from my father and ask some questions. And he, he taught me some things, right? Um, but oddly enough, I, he never taught me, and this is not a knock on him, this is just me growing as a person and understanding where some of my challenges were. He never really taught me like that gentleness of how do you treat a woman mm-hmm. and again that's not a knock on my father i, right. I just want to let you know right right um but and i have to i'm sorry i'm babbling on but it's important to to note from my father's sense him and my mother had their differences Absolutely. but my Absolutely. mother my mother never ever once talked bad about my father in front of me never and, and, and my father gave her the utmost respect as well um so i think Subconsciously, I I learned, like, even though these two adults can't function together, there's a level of respect, right? Um, And then to tie it all up without going into the daily details of our lives, at the end of my mother's life, she battled cancer for three years. Um, My father was at her bedside. You know, he had moved back here to California since he was older. I had a daughter. I want him to be a part of her life. Um, and I, I got I got to tell you that that last that last six months of my mother's life again subliminally taught me like man my pop still loves my mom I mean there's a you know they went their own ways or whatever the case but for him to still be here uh, and supporting her he was taking her to bingo you know he was he was being super wonderful. Um, and, and he ended her life with a kiss and I almost, I almost passed out. I was like, you know, this, the worst thing in my life is my mother passing, but then I get this, this, this attitude of gratitude to see my father kiss my mother. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think I took all of that, all of that, just like, yeah, you know, you can, you don't, you know, you can still be a kind person to, to, to people, even though you don't get along. Mm,
0: you know, I don't yeah. shouldn't
1: say that. Even though you're, you're not together in a relationship, you yeah. know, there, there's no reason to hold any animosity. So I think I did get that from my pops in that sense.
0: You, you know what, there's so many things I want to talk to you about right now because there's so many themes unfolding in your story, right? So we definitely need to talk, talk about the intimacy of your mother's passing and that relationship with your father, right? Because I I honestly believe that, um, you know, that brings out this level of intimacy that we can't get in any other areas of our lives, right? Um yeah. But before we talk about that and that relationship with your mother and your father and that love that 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 existed um, between them, even when the relationship, when the the romantic relationship, yes. right, and yes. that they were still able to respect each other, we should get into that because I think a lot of um, a lot of people in our communities can benefit from. From that concept right now, right? Especially with you know COVID and seeing so many relationships, you know, come into a collapse and a halt, and then it becomes so nasty and brutal. And it's like, but it doesn't have to be, right? People can walk away without it being World War III. <laughs> and I say that even to myself, having recently gone through a divorce, right? It doesn't have to be brutal. But there's something you said, there's something you said that was so deep to me, I had to write it down. You said, my mother always made sure I had a relationship with my father.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, uh, I'm
0: gonna respond like the younger generation, right? that's not my business that's not my responsibility he gotta you know he know he got a kid he gotta show up for his kid and you know i'm gonna respond that way and i want you to um to help me unpack that in a healthy way
1: oh you know (laughs) oh there's so many levels to that um i think the initial the initial lesson that i learned was that's still my father you know that's still my father um and I'm going you know my mother was like you're going to respect that man you know right. he doesn't live in this house but you're going to respect him the only way do to respect him is to have a relationship with him you know now even in the process of the before I turned eight years old I was still having conversations with him on the phone now you know again I, I was young I don't know when those conversations happened but I do remember speaking to my father um, um with that but like For for, for for a mom raising her, her her only child to to give up the relationship of the father and the son is not doing the son any justice. Right. It's not doing the mother any justice. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because now it becomes you know I think I think the weight of being a mom by itself is, is uh, you know, a burden enough. And I shouldn't say right. burden. I think it's a task. It's a task enough. It's difficult. Now, now we throw the intersection in there of being a Black woman mm. raising this young man by himself in the environment that we live in, in the society that we live in, where young men are hunted daily. And maybe not in the physical sense of guns coming at them, which there is a portion of that that, that exists. Right. But all of the external noise and, and, and um, forces that are talking to our young men. So for any young mom to say, hey, no, you know, if, he, if, if he wants to see his child, he knows where to find us. I, I can never, never understand that. I can right. never understand right. that. And to where, to kind of transition a little bit, You know, in in the relationship with my wife and our family, we have a blended family. She brought our oldest son in, I brought our daughter in, and then we have one together. You know, I make it a point when my daughter was little, hey, that's your mom, you love her. You know, my wife with our oldest son was like, hey, that's your father. She made sure he went and seen him, hung out, the whole thing. Because to my mother's credit, I think she planted in me, there's a cycle that needs to be broken.
0: Yeah, there's a cycle
1: that needs to be broken and Mm -hmm. that cycle is that father that absent father and and i know this may sound crazy but all and like what i was saying in the beginning although the father isn't physically present if the relationship is there and it's strong enough the presence will happen his 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 lessons that he's trying to teach his son can, can manifest right right but but for, for, for a mom I just find that troubling because wouldn't you want help right wouldn't you want help with your child? Um, again I know there's some you know extreme cases where you know there's some form of abuse or, or what have you where one of the parents shouldn't be allowed to see the child but for the most part um, yeah I I don't know why you wouldn't want help um, but I'm definitely about, creating that relationship, especially now. And really quick, when my oldest son got home from college after his freshman year, we all went out to dinner and we're sitting there. He said, what do you think the biggest problem was? And this is 2015, 2016. He said, what's the biggest, now this is my son talking. He says, what's the biggest problem you think we have in our community? And without a I was like, the absence of a black man. The mm-hmm. absence of the black father is the biggest problem because mm-hmm. everything else trickles down from that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm with you on that because, you know, and when we talk about the absence of the father, you know, we think that, well, because he's not in the home, he doesn't still get to govern. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I, when I talk to my kids in particular, cause, um, you know, I'm divorced from their father, but when I talk to my kids and I have challenges with them, I will call him. I'm like, these are your kids. You, you gotta mm-hmm. fix this. Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's no, there's no man in my home to to regulate so if they're not listening to me you need to you need to step in and you need to make this happen because that's not what I do because I already used my voice and it didn't work where's yours right I don't care that you're outside of the home I don't care if you're married with kids you still gotta regulate the kids in this home
1: and, and I agree with you a thousand percent on that just because you're not in the house And this goes, this goes for mom or dad. You know, I don't know who's not in the present physically. You, you are still that you're, you're the authority in this child's life. You have them say, now granted, you can't tell the other parent how to parent their house or how to run their house. But I know my father, I I know my father, he called me and was like, keep talking crazy to your mom and I'm going to be on the next thing smoking.
0: Right. Your mother is reaching out. Your mother is reaching out. And so it's about creating that that space where parents know they can reach out. If I need you, you know, for something that's happening here, are you still going to, can you make yourself available or are we separating so much that it's like, no, well, when the kids are with you, you figure it out. No, no, no. They're still your kids. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. They're still your kids.
1: Right? That, that was the biggest challenge I'd have to say for me with my daughter and then her mother. Right. Was if you call me on Monday, now, in that scenario, I was only seeing my daughter every other weekend. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you call me on Monday after I had just brought her back to you, and there was something that needed to be addressed some kind of punishment some kind of corrective action or whatever the case was because of her actions you cannot expect me two weeks later to punish my daughter when she gets to me because now when she gets to me for these two days because i only have her for two days it's all bad it's all right. negative energy
0: right right
1: you need to handle that that day now you can right. call me and i can give my input over the phone right if i right. need to come by i can but that I think, when, again, when you start talking about separated households, I think there's so many layers that, that go on. But if you go back to my mother and father, you create that relationship to say, OK, even though the other parents not physically here, understand that other parent is here and they have authority over you because we both created you.
0: Right. Let me tell you something. Um, I think when I was going through my divorce, right, I got this advice from a security guard at the hospital, best advice I ever received in my divorce. And he said to me, cause I'm a helicopter mom, right? I'm, and I mean like, you know, on uh, steroids, I'm, a hairl- I'm like, I am so bad. I am like, they're writing books about me. Okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, so the divorce was difficult. The idea of, the, the idea of sharing my kids mm-hmm. with their father was like what do you mean who's going to hug them who's going to kiss them who's going to tell them I love you as if their father doesn't have the ability to do that right (laughs) And, and the security officer said to me you have to trust that their father loves them just as much as you do and I was like, well, nobody can love my kids the way that I do, right? Because that's what we go to as, as moms, especially. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, hold up, you can't do that. Because if we continue thinking that way, then we make it very, we make the, the separation very difficult because it's like, well, I need to be present for the kids who's, mm-hmm. you know, who's gonna, and it's like, no, no, no. You have to actually trust that this man can do right by his kids and actually allow him that opportunity to do that. Which sounds like what your mother was doing with you and your father, where she's like, no, 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 you gotta have a relationship with your father. That's going Absolutely. to happen.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and, excuse me, I think what, what you touched on there, you didn't say it, but I heard it or I, I, I decoded it. I think I think some of our humanistic biases play a part in that, especially in the Black community. And I'll say this, and I'm gonna be very specific and purposeful what I'm about to say. If we as Black men are always seen as this hard, aggressive, independent, strong, um, intimidating figure, Mm. I can see how it's difficult for a woman to say well how can he love somebody like I love somebody Mm. because we're not we're not viewed in the sense that we're loving creatures that's just not what society portrays us to be we you don't see that part Mm. of us it's not sensationalized right you know what I'm saying so I think it's very natural for a mom to be like yeah no he can't love my children like I he's not gonna hug them he's not gonna kiss them he's not gonna say I love you right because we're not known for that and Mm. I think that's just a separate challenge uh, by itself. I'm saying
0: know? that's this is a this is a heavy topic because now we're talking about is this a matter of creating space, right, for the black man to feel comfortable being vulnerable, right?
1: Ooh, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> hey, hold on, a second. look here. I, I, I was on, I was I was doing another uh, show with with some uh, another nonprofit. And this was, we were talking about Mental Health Awareness Month. So it was that, March or April? We got on this topic. I was the only Black man on the panel. And I told him, I said, the one thing our community could stand is for more Black men to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. That is the hardest thing to do for a Black man because now you have to let down all your barriers, all your defense, all these keep away mechanisms, and then you have to expose your heart? Yeah yeah we ain't taught that right we're not taught that right you know and and it's an unfortunate thing but i want to say i want to do say i'll say this to follow that point up that is a reality but at the same time i think there's some black men out there because i know a lot that are becoming more vulnerable vulnerable and understanding you know what that that ideology that was ingrained in us it was purposeful to keep us safe, mm-hmm. but it damaged us somehow. Mm-hmm. And so now we just have to reimagine what this black man looks like because yeah. you know what? We can be strong, yeah. we can be intimidating, mm-hmm. we can be hard, but we also can be loving. We mm-hmm. can smile, we can laugh, mm-hmm. you know? We can be vulnerable and we can be healthy. Mm-hmm. We, we don't think of smiling and loving someone as being healthy.
0: Mm-hmm. because
1: again it's just not what right. people tell of us. And you know so the funny
0: I, I thing totally is it. your power is actually in that balance, right? When yes. when you find that balance between being strong and you know, you know and intimidating and all of those things and you're still soft, right? And yes. and when I say soft, I mean loving, right? You're still loving and you're still nurturing to the individuals in your in your in your space in your in your um, intimate space. That's the power of the the masculine. That's yes. it.
1: Yes, I agree with you. You know, I, again, you, uh, I, I put, I don't know, I I just always recognize some other things, and I don't know how to explain that. Honestly, I don't. You know, but at at one particular point, I had my daughter living with me. It was just me and her. I'm a single dad living in our little apartment. Um, I didn't know how to do little girls hair. I was 21 years old, 22 years old. I didn't, but you know what? I learned, you know Mm. what I'm saying? Everybody knew my family and friends like, oh, Smick is down. We was talking cornrows, curls, (laughs) Shirley Temple curls, barrettes, balls, you know. We was having tea parties, but because, because again, I needed to show my daughter that black men are loving. We we can, we can do here. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, I I don't know what it was, but it was just like, this has to be done. You know what I'm saying? This has to be done.
0: I'm going to have to invite you to one of my tea parties, by the way. (laughs)
1: Let's go, let's go. I'm going to bring my grandson. I'm going to bring my grandson.
0: Invite you so you can come and talk about tea and self-esteem with the little girls. You know,
1: <laughs> absolutely. You know, it, it, and I think that's important. And I don't take that invitation lightly. You know, um because even young girls, our young black women, need to know that it, it's okay for men to love them. Yes. You know, that's that's a hard statement to say right there, mm-hmm. um, and then expect people to agree with you. You know, because we just assume. As humans, like, oh, someone's gonna love me, or or someone's gonna love him, or no, you know, I, and I want to just be really transparent. I'm gonna share something personal, you know, with my daughter. You know, I taught her to be self uh, uh, self driven, you know, independent, you know, self sufficient. I, I used to tell her when she was little, you don't need no man, you don't need no man to buy you a house, get your car, travel the world, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she 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 just turned thirty last year. She's been around this country, around this world. She's been on, I think she's been on like five different continents on her own. She's never asked me for a dime. She takes my wife with her, Um, but she's never been married. She has no kids. Um, And I had to apologize to my daughter uh, uh, maybe about a year ago and tell her, you know what? I set you up to selfish to guard your heart from from these, 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 these men. I said, but I need to apologize said, because you deserve someone to love you. You need you deserve to allow someone to love you. And then you deserve to exude all the love you have into this person. Yeah. Now is that dangerous? Yeah, that's dangerous yeah. and it's vulnerable. But you have to go through it. You have you deserve that opportunity to love somebody and then them to love you. So, no, I think the tea party is absolutely important because, you know, working what I do with the young ladies that I see, they're not taught that part of accepting, accepting love and then giving love wholeheartedly in that sense. And I'm not saying all young women. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying a few of them.
0: No, but I I think I think you're you're on to something because I have a lot of very intimate um conversations with um my lady friends right and a lot of it is centered around dating and the things that unfold in relationships and what the standards look like and how do you maintain your standards because if you maintain these standards then there's no there's 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 no men coming right because the standards they're like we're not messing with your standards (laughs) and so you know what I always tell my friends is you hold the standards anyways because mm-hmm. if you release the standards, you know, you leave yourself open to heartbreak. And it's not that the goal is to avoid heartbreak, but who wants a heartbreak for no reason, right? When it's not even deserving.
1: <laughs> wow. yeah,
0: no, absolutely. <laughs> there, there's a difference with, you know, the pain that's associated with loving because when you love, there is pain, right? You're You're, mm-hmm. gonna, um, you're gonna feel some level of pain. That's just how love works. But um, if you release your standards, now you got to deal with the broken heart and the fact that you now have to answer to yourself right. for, <laughs> for right. putting yourself through that, because you really, you, you relax the standards for no good reason. Absolutely. So when you talk about, it's important to teach women that it's okay to be loved by men. Listen, that is so freaking deep. Yeah. There's so many layers it's of unpacking layers. we need to do with that. It,
1: it, it's layers. It's layers, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, and, and I I want to be careful when I say women because I don't want to make that sound like I'm just specifically targeting 30 or 40 or 50-year-old women. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer just in early intervention at young ages, right. just exposing them. You know, I learned a very difficult lesson because I have to be full transparent. You know, I wasn't walking around telling my kids I love them because... I was under the impression that since we have a house we live in that me and your mom purchase and you have food and you have clothes and you have a cell phone, you know, dad loves you. So I didn't thought, I didn't think I had to say it. So growing up and they'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm not here to say I'm this best dad ever, but I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm evolving. Um, we lost, I lost a little cousin of mine uh, who was the same age as my oldest son. And we did a, a I, I don't know, I forgot what it was, but we had a, a lot of men there present. And my older cousin lost his son, it, the thing came up, you know, when do you tell your children you love them? And uh, I was like, yeah, I don't. And my cousin almost beat me up. He was like, bro, what are you talking about? He was like, you should be saying that every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was 2015. Um, and since 2015, uh, that was December 21st, 2015. You know, I constantly, if not daily, if I'm not saying it verbally to my children out they're here uh, when they're home from college or my daughter's visiting, I'll text them or I'll call them. Hey, I love you. You know, I love you. You just to hear that, you know what I'm saying? So it is about getting them young and introducing it to with, with our grandson. Every day he gets hurt. He knows I love you. And it's not I don't want to say this for me. You know, the family. My, my, my son calls him the family's baby. He's the family. Everybody, he's the family's baby. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's just showering him, letting him hear the word, I love you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's powerful in itself because, you know, I, I know I'll babble on, but, you know, I coach you. I've been coaching youth football for about 20 years. And it's, it's, it's always been eight-year-old and unders. I got six, seven, eight-year-olds. And I tell these young men, I love them. At every mm-hmm. practice, I tell mm-hmm. them I love them because I don't know the last time they heard that. And you, it's, it's weird how it works, but like as the season grows, they start to say it back. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I got you now. Yes, I got you now, you know? Um, and by the end of the season, they're coming up to me, coach, I love you. And I'm like, there we go. You don't, it doesn't have to be something, uh, a special moment to say, I love you. It doesn't have to be an occasion. You know, it doesn't have to be a birthday or, or, or what. It, I love you shouldn't be taboo. You know, it, it should be as just like blinking, just like breathing, you know, to the point where I know you love me. You cannot sit here and tell me you don't love me when you've been telling me you love me 30 times in the past two days. You know what I'm saying? I know that's, you know, uh, being facetious, but that's kind of the point I'm trying to drive home um, is just really getting to this point of love and then if we can do this whole love thing and then start peeling back some of the layers of the onion that affect our entire community, you know, I think we'll be on, on, on a better path.
0: So Smitty, I like what you're you're charging us with because it sounds like you're charging us to normalize saying, I love you, like to, you know, not just to our kids, but just within our friendship circles and our immediate circles and so on, right? Just letting people yes. know that, hey, you know, I care about you. I, I love you, I'm here for you, right? Yes. And um, so you're asking us to do that. So we're, we're definitely gonna take on that charge, right? Cause we love a good challenge in this community. I hope so,
1: <laughs> I hope so. I I, uh, I I do this thing on my Instagram, like we'll go a whole month. See, they say it takes uh, like 21 days, 30 days to create a habit. Yeah. So what I was doing is every day for a whole month, you got to tell yourself, I love you 21 times while looking in the mirror. And it's going to sound crazy and absurd at first to watch yourself and then hear yourself say, I love you. But then you you get to, by the fourth day, you're looking for it. You're looking, oh, I need this positive affirmation. Right. I love myself. I love myself. Right. I love myself, right? Right. And you have to, I, I'm that cat in my life, on my journey right now, on Father's Day on Sunday, I'm texting bros like, hey bro, I love you, you know what I'm saying? But I know that I said, don't do it on special days, but I do it on that special day. But even throughout the course of the week, I check in with my two boys, we're in a group chat, man, I love y'all, y'all good? Make sure you drink water, you know what I'm saying? Hit me up, I'm here. Little things like that, yeah. that's all we got to do. Practice yeah. love.
0: So you're saying don't reserve it for special days only, right? You want to do it across the board. And then if you enjoy it on special days too, then great, but it should be happy. happy Hey, my mother, my
1: mother told me ain't nobody promised tomorrow. So what you waiting for?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, it's interesting that you said that because we needed to go back and we needed to talk about the intimacy of your parents um, um, platonic relationship, Mm -hmm. right? After their their divorce and leading into your mother's passing and, you know, just the role that your father played um, in that relationship and then caring for your mother even, right? Because Mm -hmm. his presence is part of that care, you know?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. 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 Um, I I don't, I don't know where you want to go with it. um, But if I could just share kind of some things about the intimate part, know and again that word intimate i think people put these taboos and these stigma on these words you know um my 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 mother and father didn't have an intimate relation in that span uh, of of because they both got remarried so it's the four of us it's my mother father and my sister it's just four of us um and you know The the relationship I had with my father, I brought negative energy into my mother's relationship with her husbands because I was like, those are not my fathers, you know. That that was a struggle for me, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I put a lot of blame on them. It 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 wasn't deserved. It was my fault. Um, But I had to grow from that and I had to learn. Um, Same with my father's wife. I you know brought some negative energy into there. Um, um, Then once. Things, I got older, we graduated, we moved on. And then, like I said, I had my daughter at at 21. That's when my mother fell sick. And that's kind of where things started to change. Um, And then me understanding this whole intimate part of of the structure of the family, Mm -hmm. right? Um, My father moves back here. Um, We're all living in the same house, Uh, you know, my mother, my father, my sister, myself, and my daughter. there was never mention of, this is weird. It was never no mention of, you know, what's going on. It, my mother, my mother opened up and said, if you want to come and stay with us, you can. And my pops was like, are you sure? You know, I ain't trying to, and it, it, he went to work. They, they, we all lived in the same house. Everything was good. Then when my mother got sick, then I could see, then I started to learn like, oh, okay. Pops would be there, help take her to the hospital or whatever the case was. He never, never questioned, he never said no. You know, he he was a truck driver at the time going across the road. He come home and my sister would be like, hey, yo dad, mom's got an appointment, whatever, let's go. You know, he never said, I'm tired. I, ne- he, I never heard that man say, no, I can't do it. You know, um, taking her to bingo. He was like, all right, well, you know, if I'm here, let's go to bingo, you know? Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching that from afar like, wow, you know, what kind of, what kind of pride did he have to swallow, mm, right? Mm. And, 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 then, and then what kind of pride did my mom have to swallow mm. to let this man back <laughs> in her house that, and let me, let me share this really quick. I, I'm, I wanna make sure I keep my train of thought, but I used to be jealous of my sister because she got to live with them while they were married together. I never got that luxury. At least that's what I pictured it as a luxury. And not maybe about seven, eight years ago, I had to have a long conversation with my sister. Like, hey, yo, you know, this really bothers me that you got mom and dad, and I never got a chance to get that. And she said, sometimes things aren't what they're supposed to be. My sister witnessed a lot between my mother and my father. Mm. And she was like, I'm so happy that you did not have to witness what I went through. Mm. I'm about to start crying. So I'm gonna try not to cry. But that that right there, I was like, it never dawned on me. I was so selfish about like I want my mom and dad together. I, you know, and my sister was like, Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. And so now as I look back on that time of my mom swallowing her pride to be like, I'm gonna let this man live in my house just so he could be a grandfather to my granddaughter, right? And then my dad is like, okay. And and then we get there, right? And so I see that relationship rekindling in the sense of respect, not romance, but in the sense of respect. And then as far as myself, you know, yeah, I was a mama's boy, but I was always out. Running the streets, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talking or whatever. Hey, mom, I love you. We're moving on. But once she got sick, I had to put my whole energy into being a son right. and a sister my mother. Right. You know, I'm working, trying to take care of my daughter. uh You know, come home. I got to go sleep on the floor of my mother's bed just in case she falls out the bed. You know, and I got to get up and take my daughter to daycare. And, you know, so that there was no, oh, I can't do this. You know, now I'm, I'm I'm picking my mother up and I'm washing my mother. I don't know if any person out there had to take care of their parents where you have to treat them like a baby and mm-hmm. you have to do, you know, that humbling thing
0: for them. Yeah,
1: that, 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 that puts you in a whole different mindset of mm-hmm. appreciation, right. you know? And so that drove me to like, that's love, that's love. And I never was like the guy to tell my mom, I love her just cause, but that right there, I was just like, yeah, yeah, this is my love. This is the way I'm paying my mother back for everything she's mm-hmm. given me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not, I can't do her wrong like this. Um, and, and I think it was just a crazy time in our life and a crazy time, I mean, important, valuable, learning experience for mm-hmm. all of us to go through. I think we all needed that. Mm -hmm. i I truly do my entire family at that time my sister myself my daughter my mom we needed that we needed that reconnection so our legacy could grow stronger Mm -hmm. you know that where i'm at today wasn't going to happen if that didn't happen you know what i'm saying and the energy is so strong to this day that my daughter still holds like a vigil in her house she has pictures of my mom and dad with candles and She'll leave offerings and and, and whatnot. And uh, I'll leave with this, or or I'll leave this particular topic. Um, The night before my mother passed, uh, we was at the house. I had to take my daughter back to her mom's house. It was a Sunday night. And my daughter was six years old and she started crying like she, and I'm like, "Mom, what's wrong? You know, I call her mama. I'm like, mama, what's wrong? Why are you crying like this? And she would not stop crying.
0: Mm.
1: And we got in the car finally, and maybe 30 minutes, she, she passed out. And next morning, my mother passes. Mm. You can't tell me my daughter didn't have that energy. She knew, like, this is the last time. Now, I may be talking crazy, I don't know, but the energy was there that she knew, I can't leave right now, dad. I can't leave right now. You know what I'm saying? And then once she left, I think my mother was like, Okay, I can leave can right go, now.
0: I can go now. Yeah. I'm
1: good now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that the intimacy part of that particular time in our lives, I think we needed. I think it played an important part of where I am as a human being today.
0: Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Smitty. Um, one, thanks for sharing that, right? Because I know um, you know when you when you've lost a parent, especially when you took care of that parent um, any retelling of that story is very difficult, right? It's very, it's, it's very difficult. And I know because I used to be you, um, when I cared for my father who was battling cancer. So I understand very well when you talk about, you know, that realization of, oh, wait, this is love, right? When you're, you realize that your parent is now a child,
1: Behaving yes. like
0: a child, thinking like a child, unable to care for themselves in the way that a child is unable to care for themselves. And then you realize, oh, this is how you loved me, right? Right. Right. <laughs> right. When there was yeah. nothing in it for you, you could love me so deeply. And wow. um, and then you realize, you know, you're in this position to pour that love back into your parents. And, you know, for me, just like you, that was my realization of love. But there's certain so so many things that you said that I'm like, we have to talk about this Um, one. um, And I say this with all love and respect for you. But it sounds like your mother's illness facilitated healing for your family. Like how how profound is that?
1: (laughs) Um, and, And like I said, we needed that. Right, I think we needed that, and and you gotta find the silver linings, otherwise things will drive you crazy, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I gotta tell you, for a long time after my mother, you know, passed, I was in denial. You know, I was thinking my mind wasn't right. You know what I'm saying? But but you're you're absolutely right. You know, I, I heard, and I, I hate that I can't remember this phrase, but I heard it back in March. And sister girl said, you know, um, it's, it's not an ailment, it's an assignment. Yes. It's, it's an assignment. Yes. I, I asked for, for years, I, I used to just sit in my mind like, why am I the only cousin? My mother has uh, 15 brothers and sisters. I w- I'm like, why am I the only cousin, I think I'm one of the youngest, that I have to lose my mother before I'm 30? I couldn't understand that I mm-hmm. couldn't, understand, mm-hmm. but I was, I was not ready to accept this assignment. It was an assignment that I'm like, okay, there's a reason for this. Mm-hmm. Mm. One of those reasons was the closure of my father, my sister, my mother, and my daughter. That was that to bring us together, to bring us together. And then to prepare me, for the next stages of my life,
0: right? You know what right. I'm saying.
1: So you're absolutely, absolutely right. You know the, and I take the silver linings out of there. Like, what did I learn from this? What energy did I get from this? You know, what values did I that I learn from this? You know, and the the one value that I got, I got to tell you that I took away, again, just goes back to the the importance of having the love of your parent. Right. You know, right. and you you got to have that. you got to right. have that. And that's why, you know, I, I, again, I know I failed my children by not saying I love them, but the energy that I was putting into them, I thought was like, oh, this is love. I'm, I'm going to show you because I want you to know what I felt from my mother, mm. you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, listen, there's so many treasures that emerged from your pain. Right, and um, when you talk about like the respect between your mother and father, and then you talked about, um, what did you say? You said, can you imagine the pride they had to swallow, right, both your mother and your father? Listen, can you imagine the noise they had to silence? (laughs) Can you imagine what's being said? Right, in the community, in their community, in their circle, oh, yeah. can I can hear my girlfriends right now telling me, don't do that, why would you do that? Why the hell would you care? Don't care, that we, we don't like it. I can hear it. Yes. I can hear it.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You're absolutely-
0: Don't you remember what he did? Don't you remember this? Yeah. Right, and making it all about the self instead of realizing, hey, there's, there's, there's kids involved here, there's other people involved, right? And we're just talking about being cordial to each other. That's it.
1: That's it. <laughs> that, that is it. Right, you know? right. Uh, But But that's, that's a powerful point you make. You know, on top of being uh, humbled and, and then swallowing your pride, you have to block out the noise that you know is going to be there, mm-hmm. you know? whether it's from family, friends, or whoever. Um, and, and I got to say, both both of my parents handled it, you know, like absolute, you know, respect for human beings. Right, you know, right. You know. Yeah, and, I mean, and we
0: can tell because, like, you speak so highly of both of them, and, you know, after um, going through a divorce, and I know, like, a divorce is difficult because I saw my kids go through the separation of their parents, and I'm like you know, why y'all so heartbroken over my <laughs> heart? <laughs> right, and then you come to realize like how um, how deep, you know, the, the hurt is for the kids yeah. and stuff like that. And then coming out of that, you know, what it looks like for them. Um, so you've had a lot of lessons there, right? But one of the things we always ask our guests to do as we're wrapping up is to leave some words of wisdom with us. There is something that you've experienced in your life. So there's something you've experienced in your life that is like the the thing, right? Um, what is it? What is it?
1: The, the the thing that drives me is the cause to, to be a better human being. And that is by the age of 12, I clearly remember, you know, before internet, um, TV and radio, all I heard growing up was I was supposed to be killed by another black man before I was 21. Mm. That has weighed on me my entire life. Um, I don't think society understands the mental anguish. It's not post-traumatic syndrome, it's current and active traumatic syndrome
0: Mm.
1: when you have to carry that weight with you. I can't go to the store without a worry. I can't Mm -hmm. go to school without a worry.
0: Mm -hmm. I
1: can't go to the mall, to the movies, to the Mm -hmm. library. I can't go nowhere without a worry because I got this 500 pound elephant on my back. Mm -hmm. The first time I shared that, what I just shared with you, I was at San Jose State University giving a presentation on public speaking in front of the class. And when I said that, this white girl laughed. And I said, what are you laughing about? She said, you're not being honest. Mm. And I said, what? Um, that has driven, I, 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 I vowed, I vowed, I, I was not going to die in the hood by another brother. Just wasn't mm. going to happen. I didn't care yeah. what it took. If I had to be called a scary cat, a punk or whatever, that just wasn't going to happen. Um, and now, Doing what I do in the community and what my nonprofit, I try to educate young folks on how important their life is, how powerful and how strong they are in their presence, in their yes. normal, Accept your normal. You might not live with mom and dad. You might live with grand. You might live in a car. You, you, you may not have everything, but that's your normal and be proud of it. And just because that's where you are today, that doesn't mean that's where you're going to be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. you know what you just you just need someone to love you that goes back to the beginning of this conversation and that's what i try to do to pour so much love into these young folks that they don't have to carry that burden of death now is it still readily available it is because that's the society we live in but i'm doing what i can to change that so folks young men young sisters don't have to go through what i went through so that's my ultimate ultimate motivating factor right there is that we got to change that that's not yeah. normal that shouldn't be normal
0: yeah but smitty I'm, I'm so happy you brought us right back full circle to love right because we started off talking about love um here's the thing we want to pour love into you right that's what we do in our community and so we we need to know how we can connect with you on social media, I know you have your websites and all of that good stuff. You wanna come over there and check out the work that you're doing and um, I'm sure there's plenty of us that'd be happy to volunteer, you know, with your work. So where can we find you on the net? Uh,
1: you know what, I had to write it down because I knew you were gonna ask me that because some of the stuff is like, you know, they just give you generic names. Uh, but you could just find me on my on my private, I not private, but my personal uh, Facebook page, Edward Russell Jr um We have a bruh group. It's brothers raising up his, and it's B R O T H A S. That's purposely spelled that way. Uh, brothers raising up his. Um, I also have a page B R U H, also on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at smitty underscore public underscore comment, and on Twitter it's at bruh B R U H six 6131- one three one three, two, three, nine. I didn't make that up. That's the number they get or the name they gave me on Twitter. Um, And you can find out all the things we're doing there. Um, And uh, I'm, I'm easy to get with Uh, mail for bra at Gmail. That's M A I L the number four B R U H at Gmail. If you want to send me an email Um, and again, sis, before we wrap it up uh, again, I just cannot extend enough uh, gratitude Uh, to you I really really appreciate this time this space this energy nothing's by accident you know this was all purposeful this is the organic nature of of this journey that I'm on and uh, I just want positive particles to you because that's how much I appreciate you thank you very much
0: Oh, thank you so much for saying that. And I appreciate you being here too. And, you know, our conversations are always so uplifting because you just come with so much life and so much energy and you're not afraid to pour into others. So I really appreciate you for that.
1: Yes, ma'am. Thank
0: you. Of course. Thanks. All right. Bye. <laughs>